Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. All right. Um, since, you know, that was technically the last episode we would record in August, things were going off the uh, the deep end. So I just asked if you could pick one fictional character to succeed Gary Bettman as commissioner of the NHL, who would it be? I'm waiting for Cassie to answer first. Because <laughs> you know, you know what my answer is, right? Um, I'm I'm still going with Ford Prefect because you know he's a uh, he's a hoopy fruit who really knows where his towel is. <laughs> The hawk, the hockey writer's guide to the galaxy. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knows how to have fun. He knows what the people want. He knows how to make a pan galactic gargle blaster. Exactly. And you know, there's a thing with the giraffes in Africa too. Oh God. <laughs> God. Oh. Oh my God, I I um I vacillated on this one. I really did. It consumed most of, most of my morning walk. Um, and it's 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 indicative of the struggle that is within me as well. The light and the dark, the Very Vader, sad. the <laughs> Vader and the Yoda, because it was Vader or Yoda. Mm. <laughs> not not whiny Anakin. It's it's Vader, or or Empire Strikes Back era Yoda, not the leapy green frog of death from the prequels. Not Obi Wan. No, no Obi Wan here. No, no, because as as you pointed out, how very Zen of me is that <laughs> Yoda is very Zen like. Look within, you will find the answers to your own questions. Type thing. Whereas Vader's like, screw all that. I'm going to go do stuff and get out of my way. So that's, that's, you know, that's my struggle in life. It's sometimes not knowing when to sit back and sometimes not knowing when to not force choke people in meetings. Um, <clears throat> would, you know, I mean, it, I just, all the GMs would be force choked at some point. Would they well, not? The owners, right? I'm just thinking of, you know, he he trots in to the to the Death Star, or as I like to call it, the the NHL offices, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're screaming about escrow and revenue sharing and the collective bargaining agreement, and someone sides with the players, and he just looks up and basically says, "Your lack of faith," and you know, I find your lack of faith disturbing, and <laughs> boom, we're short one owner. <laughs> I'm going in theater. Because <laughs> Yoda would just let them bicker and nothing would get done. Uh, no, he'd step in eventually, but it would be more of a case of, I will guide you soft-handedly without force choking you, whereas Vader would just be like, screw you, I'm done with you, goodbye. Yeah, I'm still going with Vader on that one, I think. And then, you know, if there's ever a lockout, one of the owners could be totally Captain Nita, you know? 
hey, we let the we let the players get the better of us in this negotiation. You know. Wait, wait, wait. Who's the emperor? Do we have an emperor? It's, it's Jeremy game? Jacobs. It's oh. Jeremy Jacobs. <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> oh, my God. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's yeah, because he pulls the innocent, you know, he pulls the innocent owner of of the Columbus Blue Jackets in, you know. Oh, here, I'll help you. Just help me ascend to the to the throne of power in the NHL, and and my evil little henchmen will come do all my dirty work while I manipulate things from behind the scenes. Yeah, it is Jeremy Jacobs. It is. <laughs> so, what sci-fi character do you have, Pat? <laughs> Well, it depends. Um, so after I just blurted that question out, just kind of out of nowhere last time, I started thinking about it. And one of my first answers was, what is the antithesis of a hockey man? So my mind kind of went to Tony Stark. Just some rich guy who really doesn't care if he makes money, but wants to have a little fun. So kind of what every owner pretends they are, but they really aren't. But that was kind of too on the nose. And uh, so my mind kind of drifted. And then I kind of uh, settled on Irene Adler from uh, Sherlock Holmes, who is in certain adaptations. She is smarter than the protagonist. Um, she has her way with everyone. She is manipulative and can get anyone to do whatever she chooses, whatever her bidding may be. But eh, old-timey English was a little too much of a uh, hockey man for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I could just imagine all the Board of Governors meetings with everyone in corsets and (laughs) houndstooth and... (laughs) What what man Forsooth. would be wearing these corsets? <laughs> oh sure, sure. Well, you know, women of power. God love yeah. them. And I mean, she is in certain adaptations. She's portrayed as a um, opera singer, I believe, and then a dominatrix, and then uh, I mean, kind of all over the spectrum. So you can pick and choose which characteristics you want best uh, to lead a league. Um. But honestly, I think I settled on the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, played by uh, Tilda Swinton. Mm. (laughs) For a number of reasons. One, she knows way more than you do. But she is, she is willing to not negotiate, but listen to reason and change her mind on things. Unlike a lawyer. Where everything's lines in the sand. Everything is, you know, black and white, where she has a little gray area. And more importantly, she has a a door that opens up into China to welcome in all that money. So Mm. she doesn't have to work that hard. And also, she's not not a hockey man. See, I'm going to have to throw out there, I'm going to have to throw out there Spock. See, I I spent the a lot of time. The mind meld right there. That that I was... spent a lot of time with different uh, characters in and adjacent to Starfleet, and I just couldn't. It, it 
He's the antithesis of Hockey Man, though, because he's all about logic. But unfortunately, logic sometimes is the last thing hockey needs. Because mm. if you think of the mind of the coach, where everything is very structured and organized and to within their own minds, logical. And I kind of wanted to avoid that. Because I thought the same thing about Picard. Um, Kirk would be too much one way. I wanted to avoid all captains. God, you know, with, with Kirk, it would just be... Uh the league would be awash with sexual harassment suits. Let's just cut to the chase on that one. So we might as well bring Bobby Hall in. Right. You know? no, yeah. Well, well Kirk, see, Kirk was... would, Kirk would want to be doing, want to be running the women's league anyway. Right. And, <laughs> and then after he was put away for 40 years, um, because white guys wouldn't get life. Um, yeah, no, Picard had just stand around and make Riker do all the dirty work. So we've kind of mm-hmm. already have that now. Right. Batman just sort of says engage and Bill Daly goes out and does the dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have to, to rewind here and raise my hand and I will surrender my geek card. I have still not watched Dr. Strange. Um, I haven't yet either. It's. I pretty much turned in my geek card a while ago and I'm just looking for a little mindless entertainment for two hours and I don't think too much about it afterwards. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rating it or saying that I didn't watch it cause I did thought it looked stupid or anything. I just, I not gotten around to it. Yeah. I, I don't have any problem turning off my brain at all for two hours or, or three, which is why I watched Endgame. Um, <laughs> which I will say right now, right here, right now. And we'll expect at least one or two ads telling me how how stupid I am. Didn't like it. They completely wasted Captain Marvel. And with that, I'm done. We can move on to talk about hockey. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. So. Okay. So, okay, so good. Before we get into, before we completely jump the rails of this Turn track. Turn to an MCU podcast. <laughs> and, and, and jump the rails of, the, of, of at least four associated tracks to get to the track that I'm on. We'll just stay on this track. And I will bite my tongue and say that Sportsnet and Rogers is a bunch of morons. Not for all the decisions, but yeah. What is their direction? That's the biggest thing I want to know. Because I'll tell you exact tell you exactly what it is. It's the stockholders are pissed because they're not getting a big enough return on the investment of the hockey package. And well, quarter to quarter, quarter to quarter is all that matters. And how do you how do you artificially inflate the value of a company really fast? Start cutting salary. Yeah. Pulling a page out of you know and newspapers playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, which which is the playbook that kept me out of newsrooms for good, uh, dating back twelve years ago. Yeah, because they're they're more interested in what the next quarter, the next fiscal quarter is going to look like than they are the next. What are we on year five of the contract? What the next seven years is going to look like on TV? You know. Oh, they'll just assume that it's like, oh, people will turn in because they want to watch hockey. It's it's Canada. It's the whole like theory of of why advertise people just show up. 
<laughs> and that is true. However, what they haven't done is given them a reason when none of the Canadian teams are playing. And that's where they've kind of kicked themselves in the foot. Yeah, that's but that's that's been a pain for so long because they they and I hate saying this, but but even TSN they they've centralized they've just made it so Canadian centric that you know it's hard to find non-Canadian content on there. Everybody has. I mean, everybody in Canada has, and they've done it for years. You go to any Canadian sports website where they have teams in both the U.S. and Canada, the NHL, um, <clears throat> and all you'll find are Canadian team stuff. Yeah. Even though half the league, half the players of the league are Canadian, and half of, generally speaking, half of every team is Canadian, and they're leaving out all the U.S. teams because they don't play in Canada. It's been going on for decades. I, oh, yeah. I, I got it's, frustrated by this in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just been building and building and getting worse and worse and worse. And the more con, and the more content providers they are, the worse it gets, actually, instead of going the other way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's their deal is, you know, the funniest thing in the world to me is the only one they see <laughs> that makes them money is, is, is Don Cherry. It's like the one person that, you know... Everyone's like, oh, it's about time. They need to go younger. And they kept the literally the oldest member of the broadcast crew there. Because there is chicken shit. No, it's because he is clickbait. Yeah. He is the walking embodiment of clickbait. And if Nick Kiprios went that far off the rails sometimes, he'd still be there at Sportsnet. And, and he could. And and he can, I mean, he's he does so every once in a while. I mean... I know he loves poking the bear. Sometimes he does sort of, I don't want to say exaggerate things, but he does take them sort of down that path of, you know, if you follow this to this logical end, you know, I'm going to choose this fork in the road and take it this way when everyone else is choosing the other fork. And if you want to call that clickbait, have at it, but he is nowhere near as clicky as, as, as cherry. Well, the other thing too is, is the demographics. I mean, who are the people tuning in? There's still a majority of of uh, baby boomers, right? Like uh, no, and the reason I'm saying no is because this is this is where we start getting into these weird debates, right? How are you consuming hockey? Is it by tuning in the television or is it by streaming? There's streaming? Your, yeah, yeah, there's your demographic, right? They're still looking at television ratings, not overall streams and logins and actual unique IP addresses and that kind of crap. They're still tracking this business model in an archaic way. And that archaic way is, you know, the stupid little Nielsen box, which is not the Nielsen box in Canada, but same, same concept. Deal. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Some statistical model that says the percentage of these people are tuned into this channel at this time. But that's yeah. what I'm saying is that is that if whatever their their model is which is that <clears throat> those little boxes are in the majority of older homes right probably uh i know because in um i know nielsen for a fact down here they they have spread through demographic bases in equal amount otherwise it skews the numbers right and the and the advertisers when they find that out get mad mm. um 
because advertisers want to advertise to that key demo of 18 to 35. Mm -hmm. And they want to know what the representations are in those, you know, effectively there's three demographics in there, breaks out marketing degree. But anyway, they don't, you know, the reverse mortgage AARP ads are not going to generate as much revenue as the Clinique and, you know, the, the target demo stuff. So they do not, they try and get them into households of varying incomes and varying ages. Okay. Down here. Now, Canada, who knows? But yes, I, and I know this because I was in a college dorm once and uh, uh, one of the guys that was in the dorm had a Nielsen box. Mm. And we and that's when we started reverse engineering. And then we were he was in a media class and I was in a broadcasting class or he was in a media journalism class and I was in a televisual audio um, production type class. And we both asked the same question of our prof chain and basically got the same answer that no, because the way they do the statistical models, they have to find um, a certain number of people in each of these demographics to put boxes in those houses. Makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, and unfortunately, if there wasn't a worse sport to focus on some of those models, it's hockey. When, when you boil down to it. Uh, so, cause I, I think that's one of the sad things from, I would say year two to year three of sports nets broadcast when they kicked Strombolopolis to to the curb, it's it got extra bland real fast. Well, yeah, because that's they looked at the numbers and said that, saw that they were peaking in that thirty five to fifty five male market and said we got to cater to that or we can't lose them because that's all we got left. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at well, what's being streamed and why are they not streaming our broadcasts? You know, that's the question they need to be asking. And, you know, I don't see them getting better by getting younger. You know, pulling in 25, 30-year-old kids off the street to do the... And not saying that they're all bad, but, you know, I love Kyle Bukakis. You know, the, the guy, the, the, the foil at the end of the Brad Marchand spear. Um, absolutely fantastic. Sean McKenzie's fantastic. Those guys, wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problem with, but... I don't see those guys getting the opportunity to step up and take lead roles. They're probably going to find some to to use your sort of phrasing vanilla bland person to just sort of sit there and bobblehead. And they're they're going to use whoever's next on the totem pole in, in terms of salary because they can't fire everyone or you know just let them sit on the sidelines. Uh, this season, because who knows how each individual contract is worked. Um, they're just going to fill people with somebody on probably short, cheap, cheaper uh, deals. Or they're just going to have a shit ton of contract employees. And they might put three faces on Hockey Night in Canada. Well, I just, I, I'm also thinking somebody like Colby Armstrong, who's absolutely fantastic, had a yeah. little, had a little kick down here. And I think there's a couple of NBC broadcasts he, he showed up on, but he is primarily a Pittsburgh guy. 
He still works at Pittsburgh Broadcasts. He well, hell, a, it works in the States with Millbury whenever Boston's on the air, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, he's his primary contract, I, I think, is with Root Sport in Pittsburgh to cover Penn's games, and then he just, you know, it's like a little part-time gig here and there. He, You know, they cover flight up and hotel or whatever, and he does a couple of games when he's got off days in Pittsburgh and something like that. But that's, you know, now you're now you're subjecting everyone to a rotating list. Which they started to do... A little bit, yeah. Outside of Hockey Night in Canada, they were doing quite a bit, at least with the radio programs, you know, Hockey Central at noon. It was just kind of a rotating cast, and you never knew who worked week to week. Uh, Yeah, but you knew who your host was. Well, you didn't know that two years ago, week to week, but you did know last year. And even then, it was still a bit awkward because, oh, occasionally on this day, if someone wasn't needed elsewhere, this would be your host. Uh, Thinking about when the switch from uh, Jeff Merrick to David Amber would happen, but it was never consistent enough. Oh, oh, Um, do you want me to tell you when it was? (laughs) (laughs) It was Wednesday, Pat. Oh, was it? Yes, it was every Wednesday because that was... Jeff was doing the S360 stuff, which means he was working both ends of a doubleheader game. Unless Amber was needed for meeting with sponsors. And uh, then, but it was it, pretty much every Wednesday. It happened, it happened enough. Yeah. And if there is a weird time to pull it, it seems like the worst day when you have a national broadcast that night to switch up your host. But yeah, but it's it's a radio show. It's a radio show that had no impact on the TV broadcast. I'm sure. Uh, it had impact on the ratings because it was simulcast. Fair enough, but you know, because they they started that whole model, not not Hockey Central at noon, but that whole model of the lunch hour show, which was also broadcast on TV type thing. Because they decided to have seven different networks at one time. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, everyone had to follow the ESPN model. Which, that's worked out so well. <laughs> As we, we did have a teaser of what would have been the real-life Ocho. We, we get that once a year, one day yeah. a year. Uh, as a non-cable subscribing individual in the States, I have no idea what that is, though. So. so that's the key, right? You're a non-cable subscriber, and yet you still watch a, a maniacal amount of hockey. Mm-hmm. I and do. I, and I know we have talked about this ad nauseum to the point where people are already sick of it, but how are you rated? How does your impact to advertising dollars show up to anyone? I would love to get some guys on NHL TV on who work on NHL TV or talk to them or email them or get something from them, how are they reporting back what their streaming service is doing to advertisers? It's probably people who are signed up, like accounts, number of accounts used for NHL TV, and, as and, opposed and, and, to actual watchers. Well, that's there's the rub, though, right? Because I worked on the other side as an account executive for an advertising firm. And if someone came to me and said we have 15 million unique subscribers, I'd be like, great, what's your breakdown game to game? You know? 
Tell yeah. me what I'm paying for because 15 million people that just signed up for your service is not what I'm looking for. That's a potentiality of 15 million people, but what's your breakdown game to game? Which games have the highest, you know, watch-ins? That kind of stuff. And that's something I've never seen even hints of put out there. But it has to be coming at least privately as new deals are being negotiated. Oh, I'm sure. Coming up in two years. I'm, I'm sure it is because, you know, everyone rails on NBC down here. Well, NBC's biggest problem is they don't do anything around it. How You can't loop everyone in if you just show a game here and there without the side marketing that needs to go along with it. Yep. And the the most recent 31 Thoughts podcast where they had the the director of NHL media or marketing on, and he was kind of talking a, a little bit about that. It's, you know we got to get our players out and marketing and marketing not only themselves, but our league by doing other things. So, yeah, you know what? We were running down the same track. We've been down it probably half a dozen times so far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're all just unbelievably frustrated by the lack of visibility in, in the, uh, the fact that they don't actually do marketing when everybody else in the U.S. does marketing, including the Patriots and the Cowboys and the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I, I am thinking more and more and more. It really just needs to be Darth Vader. Uh-huh. Darth Vader, man. I find your lack of marketing disturbing. <laughs> Terrorizing all the owners. Well, going down these same rabbit holes is actually pertinent this week since the NHL. They had a small opening that has since closed as of today. Uh, <laughs> they will not be looking to uh, opt out of the current collective bargaining agreement. What a shock. Wow. Surprise, surprise. Something that is working well for the owners that is profitable with enough mechanisms to basically earn interest before they pay the players what they're actually owed for two, three years at a time. Uh, and to save themselves from themselves as much as they can. Now to yeah. save themselves from each other. Well, that too. Well, I've actually thought about that, but I think there's, hasn't there been enough turnover, not only in the executive committee, um, in the last, I would say, five years, but also just enough new blood and ownership groups with, you know, the Illich family taking over for Mike Sr. Uh, you know, Carolina has a new owner. Arizona has a new owner. I mean, outside again. of, uh, <laughs> again, well, they have one owner. Again. The old yeah. French saying, plus a chance, plus c'est la même chose. That's <laughs> right. So I, I'm curious if there's any shift in, let's be honest, we, we all knew the league was not going to opt out, but I do wonder if there will be a shift in the way things are negotiated this point forward. Um, because the ball is in the player's court for 14 more days to see if they choose to opt out. And there have been all these rumblings about, well, the players can somehow their deadline can be extended through some form of negotiating what they would actually be negotiating. I don't know. I don't even want to think about, but 
we're now in this world where the players union actually has to grow a spine and not worry about the old guys who are losing their jobs and actually <laughs> think about <laughs> long-term, you know, growth or freaking long-term job prospects with, with another 23, you know, positions opening up in 24 months. And another six hundred and fifty million in the coffers of the league, which gets dispersed to everybody but Vegas. Mm-hmm. Well, so, well, I mean, well, it, it'd be fifty because you have a fifty contract limit, fifty player contract limit. Well, what I, I'm I'm talking about that. Just that. Just that. Money that coming in and raising, yeah, just the money coming in. HRR, which is not H, which will not be calculated as HRR, and the players will never see a dime of it. True, but it ends up being calculated as far as cap limitations because it does right. Mull it does fall into some form of hockey unrelated revenue that allows the teams to say they made more money, which means that when they calculate the cap, it can go up by more than three percent. Um, and it's not, but it's not going to change escrow at all. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. But the players may use an escalator at that point is what I'm thinking. See, I'm, I'm actually thinking the opposite. I think they're going to use, they're stopping to use it as a mechanism to erase escrow eventually. Because uh, I think had they not been using their escalator, basically they fictitiously raised the cap 5% each year. So they get their money up front, or at least the UFAs do. But what that ended up doing is raising the amount of escrow that needed to be charged quarter to quarter, year over year. And then someone wised up. I don't know who, but they decided, let's stop doing this. Do it just enough where we're not completely burning, guys. But yeah, maybe things will level out. And I think that's why we've seen the influx of signing bonus-laden contracts amongst all teams, not just, you know, the power ones, uh, for next year, where they're expecting, I think, another flat cap going into next year, right before, you know, negotiations on the new U.S. television contract happen, before that Seattle money, you know, Officially I, hits the coffers. Officially hits the uh, the ledgers, and uh, and at that point, the cap itself will you know grow, and then maybe they do do a full. All right, give us our five percent. We want all of it, or maybe they say we want nothing. But now there's no you know there's only a two to five percent escrow for this one year, and then after you know actual dollars are going through you know the turnstiles in seattle then maybe everything evens out to a zero zero and they get their full 50 percent split now here here i'm gonna, I'm gonna go down this this conspiratorial allow me to don my tinfoil trelby hat um <laughs> we knew that the uh, we all pretty much knew that the league was not gonna use their option for renegotiating early. They were going to ride it out to the end. But don't you think that also this is a little bit of a coy move because they 
they they threw that bomb out there by not going to the Olympics last time. And they knew that was going to stick in the craw of a number of players and that that might force those players to take their option to start negotiating early. And stay with me here. The league wants that. The league wants the players to opt out and strike. Because it turns the tables on who causes hockey not to be played for the first time in a long time. It will not be the league's fault. I don't see the players striking. I don't think they have it in them. I think they're too chicken shit. I'm just going to come out and say it. And that's, um, they're too think, timid. Well, that that's interesting because you got to remember who's running the PA, right? Right, I, and Donald Tier has gone down this road before. Right. Now it's I'm not talking full season. No, right? no. Because fear, fear's seen what happens. I, I, fear was involved with baseball when they canceled the World Series, wasn't he? Correct. Yeah. So I he knows you know that's a that's a road that's no longer travelable. But it's it's I I know this is but this is just sort of that little Machiavellian. You know, watch too many conspiracy shows type thing that it gives the league air cover. Finally, See? we're it's not just us who's been the bad guys, you know, causing all of these work stoppages and canceling, you know, all star games and winter classics. You know, these guys are doing it now because all they want to do is go to the Olympics. See, I'm with you up until the point of strike. Because <laughs> I just don't think they have it in them. I think they're just, as a group, too timid. I, I don't think they do think... for half a season. No, I don't, I don't think... I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really see it happening. Um... And, the, and the reason I'm... The reason, another reason I'm kind of leaning that way is look at all the RFAs that still haven't signed. It's because everybody wants to make bank before the CBA gets renegotiated. <laughs> Yeah, but but even if they don't opt out, right? It's what twenty twenty two is when it when it officially expires. Yeah, I think so. So, and you've seen some of the deals coming in last year that were lockout friendly and buyout proof. There's nothing stopping them there. I mean, Christ, look at Ajo's deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's not that. It's not any of that. It's just the fact that that you're talking about a group of men who, you know, usually as a group will cave to the um, the owners. You know, it's it, I don't see them like sticking their neck out for anything. No, see, I don't know the the '94 lockout. The owners blinked. It was the 0405 that both sides dug in. And in the 12 lockout, it was both sides blinked. So I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I don't think, think there's, there's leadership there to do it. Now, see, that's a different story than I think collectively, if the leadership was there, which is why I'm worried about a little bit about Donald Fear. If the leadership was there and says, we'll ride this out until this day. Because 
you know, if we go past this day, there's a risk we won't have any games in the season, but at least take a little line in the sand and go forward from there. You know, we'll get we'll gain a little they may not want they may not get all the ground back that they want, but even if they take an inch, that's a small victory for them that they can use to the next time. It's all about you know, it's I mean, not- again, in theory, I agree, but I don't see any of the players, the, the the guys that people would see as leaders of this, like Crosby and McDavid and so on. I don't see those guys saying, let's do this. <laughs> see, I, just now, don't. I will agree about Crosby. I think McDavid is actually a wild card right now. Um, maybe. Maybe. He has actually been active in whatever PA and uh, league discussions have happened thus far. He is actually a representative of the league association. It's not your older blue collar guys that just kind of grab the reins and hold on to them for 10 years. You know, your, I guess, Matthew Schneiders uh, of the world. You know, Chelios was always a big name. Uh, you know, he, he was always a, you know, a handsomely rewarded, rewarded player, but he was never that quote unquote superstar that rises above. He just stuck around forever and made a shit ton. Mm-hmm. Um, McDavid is interesting because he's locked up. There's nothing that he can do to change his own fortunes outside of endorsements. Does he have enough incentive or enough forethought to, you know, push the interest of the guys below him? And I'm curious to see if we see that guy. We've already seen him kind of evolve and he's being this, you know, he's doing the non vanilla, but they're still kind of dry uh, television ads. But he he's showing a modicum of personality. Okay, but here's the question, though, is it? Would he try to override the older guys who would want to sit it out? Not actually make waves, just go along so they, they can play, so, finish out their careers. And I, I, I keep coming back to this, and I'm, I'm going down the player's path, and, and the, the list of things that they would want reversed, right? Well, obviously, number one is the salary cap that we can all agree on. Never going to mm-hmm. happen. Players would never stand down an entire season to eradicate that. Mm-hmm. I will agree 100%. What's number two? Escrow? Yes. Yeah, so we'll call that one. That's a full season stand down. It, it, hmm. You think it the depends. owners are going to want to see ground on that? No, it depends how they approach it. If they're completely looking to recalculate and speed up the process of, of counting, all right, this is HR and this is not, that is a that is a lost season waiting to happen. Right. If they are looking at new things coming on board, so you know the the individual team uh, gambling deals, the league, uh, you know, deals with sports books. Um, streaming deals versus just a terrestrial uh, national television package. Uh, I think those are the things where they could, you know, they may, you know, uh, 
we'll let go of these little things for the next three years, but here's where we can gain things in our favor today. Okay. So and that's, that's, yeah, I agree so, with you. I'm so that, that is a, that's a half season. Yeah. What I'm curious, because I, are they willing to negotiate for three years down the line? So let's say all these RFAs that are still unsigned as of this day, if they, you know, they pay their dues, they're members of the Players Association, they're sticking their their foot in the sand individually. But if they are willing to take short-term deals and then negotiate something, you know, strong on their behalf for three years from now, basically they choose not to opt out but they negotiate in quote unquote good faith for something that can replace the existing CBA. And that's it, sorry, Pat, that's why I find it curious is some of the names that are still RFA that don't have contracts. Yeah. No, I agree. That's I, I sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just like, you know, that to me, I agree with you a hundred percent. Now is Olympics one? It shouldn't be, but it will. Is it is it one to enough of the players? Because you think about how many of the NHL players really have a chance at their national team. Obviously, for the Russians and the Finns and the Swedes, it's a higher percentage simply because there's a lower percentage of them in the league. But, you know, the Canadians it's, and the Americans? Which it's cons- the guys who are in, you know, the star players who are who have the pull, who, who have the clout that want to play, and they're going to be the ones saying, yes, we want it. Well, like, you know, 90, 70% of the league is, like, shrugging their shoulders going, whatever, I guess it could take a two-and-a-half-week vacation in the middle of the season. <laughs> right, but that's that's what I'm saying is, is will, they, will those guys that want to play and have a chance to play hold enough sway and be able to sell it with the two-week vacation type thing to get enough players behind them to support it versus we already get a week off now in the season because the whole layoff thing is happening. And it's during also during uh, either the week before or the week, after, week after the All-Star, All-Star game. game, which the so, same number of players who would be in the Olympics or not going to the Olympics are also not likely going to the All-Star game. Right. And we're already hearing rumors of how a potential World Cup would work in 2021, replacing an all-star break. Bingo. So they're already experimenting in how to do this. So. Thank you for bringing up that little crux that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Because that, to me, is real clever little POS move by Gary Vader. <laughs> how do we make this Insult only a 10-day uh, tournament to minimize the amount of time off? players that aren't participating get yeah and how do we still get revenue into the buildings that would be sitting quiet during the olympics additional revenue because you'd still be playing 82 games oh yeah yeah yeah. it's it's just a damn shame they couldn't co-op the uh champions hockey league model over in europe where they just take a, a couple days off the weekends and then use the same buildings to run a quasi different tournament. Oh yeah, like the and, yeah, like the and football. And then everyone's back to work on Monday. Yeah, like well, like all the individual European soccer leagues do too, yeah. right? You know, 
oh, we've got the the EPL Cup. We've got the 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 Bundesliga Cup. Oh, we also have the Champions League. Oh, we've also got the the you know the standard Bundesliga. Yeah, all these <laughs> leagues that haven't had the same difficulty with their television packages in North yeah. America, from what I believe. So yeah. <laughs> It's funny how that that kind of all comes together. Yeah. So you guys ready for my question? Are you winding oh, down on this? Fire it up. All right. So this is along the lines of what we were talking about, the Players Association, but only team related. So um, I'm not going to even build this one up. <laughs> How important do you think the role of captain, guys who actually wear the C, is to an NHL team? Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. This has been the 3B3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.